Hello again. Salam alaikum. Warm welcome to you. I'm Chris, pastor at Woodville Baptist Church in Cardiff. I welcome you to our, our online session, our teaching session. And today I'm going to be continuing um, the, the studies in, in the book of Luke, coming sort of to the end now. And I'm going to be looking at two traps, two major traps for Christians, pride and money. So it'd be great if you're able to join us after this welcome video. God bless. Okay, welcome back. Right, and we're going to be looking at uh, Luke 21. I just got to say something about this Luke 21. It's got lots of stuff in there about the end times. And I'm not really going to focus on that. Um, I'm not really equipped to do it. I haven't read enough. It's, it's a massive area, the whole thing of the end times. Um, I'm just going to say one thing on, on that whole subject. There is a, a marker in 1947, a marker was set down, which was the establishment of the state of Israel. And again, I'm not making any political comments here about what, what the Jewish nation does or anything. I'm simply stating historical fact that that was established. And that's after sort of 2000 years of there, of there being no state, no, no homeland, you know, for the Jews, et cetera, et cetera. And in the Old Testament, it speaks of the fig tree being planted, which refers to Israel. And it's a sign that we're moving into another part of the end times. It's almost like a sign of, oh, wow, things are getting serious. And so that's just what I want to point to. Um, there are people who speak on this. They look at all sorts of things. But to me, that is a massive, massive thing. Now, there's loads online that you can go and, uh, you can go and look at. But in my teaching, I... I'm really more interested in how do we live a life honoring to Christ? How do we shine a light here? So it's, I try to keep it more sort of practical. So that's why, although in 20, chapter 20, there's loads in the end time, I'm not gonna really deal with that. Um, Jesus also talks about the near, uh, the events that were only 70 years away, which was the destruction of Jerusalem. And you've got to work out which is which in it. So good luck with all of that. I am gonna uh, look at, two other little incidences in here. And I'm actually going to link the end of chapter 20 with the beginning of Luke 21. All right, so let's look at context. Jesus is in the temple courts, like, like I said before. He's, he's really just, just out there now. It's, it's the final few days. He's, he's in the temple courts. He's challenging the Pharisees. He's talking to his disciples. He's giving them lots of stuff about the end times and about practical teaching. And he's also talking to the people that gather around He's very visible, and the Pharisees are trying to, uh, to catch him out. Um, okay, so I'm going to be reading um, from Luke 20. I'm going to be reading verses 45 to 47, and then from 21, just 1 to 4, okay? So, while all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. And then we go in to chapter 21. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow 
put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all that she had to live on. Okay. I put these two stories together because they clearly seem to link. They're right, they're right next to each other, and they're a great contrast. And for me, this is, this is Jesus warning us about pride and money. These are two potential traps that can strangle, sometimes slowly strangle our faith. And he's pointing out two types of behavior to his disciples, one to warn against it and the other to aspire to it. So he's warning about the, 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 the scribes and he's, he's com commending um, the, the behavior of the widow. Okay, bit of detail now. When he's talking about the, the teachers of the law, he says, beware, that's a strong word, beware. They wore long and flowing robes, richly decorated and showy. And these made the statement really that they were special and also that they were not ordinary men. No man who worked for a living could wear stuff like that. They, they would just get in the way of whatever the job was. Um, so all, all, of the, all that they did, all that they were wearing was showing they were different. They had re these reserved seats in the synagogues and at the feasts, which showed off their status. You know, as they went to their seats, oh, everybody looking, you know, in a bit of a spotlight on them. It reveals their need for attention, to be known as scholars, to be known as men of learning. And that all fed into pride and the need for that affirmation and that sort of uh, hunger that can come from that. So that, that need for affirmation, that pride, that showiness and everything, it's a temptation for any leaders any leader at all. It's especially dangerous and I think alluring to church leaders. Church leaders should be given honor, definitely, that's in scripture. But that can easily turn into a need and that can turn into pride and a need for acclamation. It's interesting that Jesus does not challenge the Pharisees on this occasion, as he's done many times before for the same things, hypocrisy and show. His purpose in this section is to warn the disciples not to become like them, knowing that it would be easy for them to drift down that path, you know, after he's left as they become leaders. <clears throat> and in fact, he's already seen it in them. He's already seen that, uh, that tendency where they've had what I would call I am the greatest conversations. For instance, in Mark 9, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he said to them, what were you arguing about on the road? Sorry, this is Mark 9.33. But they kept quiet because on the way they'd, been, they'd argued about who was the greatest. It was already there in their hearts. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. There it is. There is no place for pride. All Christians are only to boast in the Lord because he is the Lord. All the glory goes to him. And we are warned, do not touch the glory of the Lord. Don't touch his glory, his honor. All praise to him. Here's a personal thing. When I first became a pastor, I was quite keen not to be called senior pastor. I mean, I didn't have any other pastors under me, so it was a bit of a, you know, a non-starter anyway. But 
You know what I mean? To go for that sort of title. I wanted to see the title as pastor as a function, not a prestige. However, often when I was with non-Western Christians, um, they, they give a lot of honor to pastors. Sometimes saying, oh, the man of God, and they make way and all this. And you know, I found there was a place in my heart for that that just sort of sucked that up. And I could see that I was getting proud about it. And I've been, oh, the pastor, yeah. And God led me to these verses. And I had to bring that to the Lord and basically pursue humility in it, a servant. So leaders, guard your heart. Watch out for that. Because it can seem quite good being honored and then it can just morph into that. Anyway, we are just unworthy servants. But what really drew the wrath of Christ is that these, these scribes, these teachers of the law, they were ripping off the widows, okay? When it says, you know, they devour their houses. Now, we're not really sure how this happened. There's a number of ways it could be. Maybe they, were, they could talk them into giving gifts for teaching. These guys, by law, they weren't allowed to charge for their teaching. They had to give it because it was from the law. They gave it, but they were able to accept gifts. So it's not too hard to see how you, how you could sort of make a way to sort of suggest, why didn't you give me a gift? And if you had impressional people, and they were a bit in awe of your power, then you could do that. And that would almost be you know, a manipulation. Um, the other more serious area really was that they could charge them for representing, they could charge fees for representing them in legal issues. And maybe those fees could go so much that widows are having to sell their houses to pay them. Whatever, it was clear that it was happening. And these people that were known for their long prayers and their flowing robes and being known as scholars had this side where they were manipulating and ripping off, not just anybody, but widows. A place, special place in God's heart for widows. And that's why he says, these men will be punished severely. Very serious warning. Okay, so that's, that's one set that Jesus has pointed to pointed them to. Let's contrast the other person, the very poor widow. Now, widows would be poor by circumstance, obviously. You know, their husband, the, the breadwinner had gone. There's no welfare state. There, there would be arms for the poor. They would be really, really struggling. Um, and there's even a sense in, 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 in the term used here that she was a very poor widow. So even the least of the least. And what Jesus was looking at was... Um, her putting this money into this collection box. Um, and she was putting in pretty much the minimum that you could put in. These two tiny coins, they were called leptos, leptos. This is the only mention of this. It was a Jewish coin, the only mention in the New Testament. So a point is being made here. This is tiny. They were worth about one hundredth of a denarius, which was the rate of a day's wage. That is used a lot in scripture. They were paid a denarius, whatever. That's a day's wage. So if they were hundreds, it's about five minutes of what was regarded as the minimum wage. Five minutes time of someone on a minimum wage. Nothing. Question, what did she put the money into? This is actually important, I think. <clears throat> you forget about a sort of box, you know, maybe that we have in churches with a sort of box with a slot in the top. You can quietly just slip your money in as you go past, whatever. These were chests, and there was a row of them. And these were all in the, in the temple, of, in, in the courts of the women. There was a row of them. They would be for different things. So you could give your money to different things like the upkeep or the temple or for the poor or whatever. 
Um, and they would have an upside down trumpet shaped funnel, all right? So there was a funnel over them, says so the box. And on that was something that a trumpet that went out at the bottom and opened a bit at the top. <clears throat> this was to stop people nicking the money. Nothing's changed. All right. So imagine this with a small opening at the top and then flaring out. Okay. And the idea you just put your money and you throw your money as you go past. Um, and I'm just thinking that when the money went in, it would make a noise. There was, there was no, um, it didn't have paper money. They were throwing these coins in and they would rattle and bang and everything. So I don't think it was particularly easy to give, give quietly or secretly. And I don't think perhaps the rich would have wanted that. When the rich gave, there were lots of coins, lots of noise, lots of attention. Oh, look at that. He's given, he's given all that. Fantastic. When the poor gave, it was much quieter. Indeed, these two coins would hardly make any noise. And in the bustle of the courts with everything going on and all the chatter, no one would hear it. But Jesus saw it. He saw it. He always does. He saw that tiny sacrificial offering. He will see it. He saw it and he honored her. He drew their attention. This is real giving. I've just shown you what that flashy lifestyle looks like. This is real giving. Because he looks on the heart. Here is a good quote from um, Daryl Bock, one of the commentators. God does not see things as we do. He does not just count. He weighs. God weighs the heart. He weighs the motives. He weighs the intentions. He knows what is going on. The priorities. He sees the gap between our words and our actions. Maybe you have given time, money, service to the, to, to the Lord's work. You've not seen any result. Maybe you're discouraged. Has it made a difference? Was it worth it? Was it a waste? I just want to encourage you, remember this, God always sees and he will reward. He always rewards. Nothing is wasted that is given to the Lord with a good heart. I would encourage you to continue to pray over it. Don't get distracted by resentment or, 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 the, or those questions about was it a waste of, waste of time. Just take it back to the Lord and pray over that seed, whatever it was. And pray that the Lord in his time, the Lord's time is very different to ours, in his time, he will bring about what he wants out of what you offered. Just felt I needed to encourage someone in that. Okay, so going back to the widow, perhaps she had been ripped off by these scribes. Perhaps there's a connection there, but she was still giving all she had. And by giving, she was part of the economy of God. See, if she'd not given, she was outside of that, that economy of God where God uses what we have for the kingdom. She was partaking in that community. She was planting seed in the field of God, if you want. And Jesus is commending her. He's commending the fact that she gave all she had. She gave, as he says, out of her life. All that she had in her life, she gave out of it. What did she have? How would she live? By trusting God. She had no other option. That was her money gone. Her giving showed that she put God first and then trusted him for everything she needed. That is a radical lifestyle. I think that's what he was trying to show the disciples. That big picture, just out of that small act. You see, the rich, they gave out of their abundance. They may not have been affected 
by what they gave. It might have been a tiny amount, but it sounded a lot. And it was good to give. She gave everything. Sacrificial. And that contrast between the rich and the poor, interestingly, is it, it exists today in society. Research has shown in the main, part, the main parts of society that support charities are the poorest. And the richer people become, the less they give. That's, remember we talked about mammon before and greed and that, that building up and that whole thing that it gets a hold of your heart. And the research would show that it's, that's actually the case. There are notable exceptions. Obviously there's philanthropists, philanthropists like Carnegie and Gates and others. But generally, more money brings up more, more greed. And as I said, that's why Jesus warns us about mammon. In, we've looked at this in 12 and 15. David Marshall, one of the other great commentators on Luke says, it's not about how much you give, but how much you have left. There's a real challenge, isn't it, in our giving. It's not about how much you give, how much you have left. I'll go back to the point I just made about the widow. Giving is a service in the kingdom. It's one of the gifts. It's a way of partnering with the Holy Spirit in the resources moving around the kingdom. James warns us it's not good just to say bless you to someone in need and not reach into your pocket and give. There's a, there's a lack of reality there. There's, a, there's an integrity gap. We are stewards of God's gifts. We need to take it seriously. In, in Corinthians uh, 1 in 16, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul recommends that the giving of God is done at the beginning, that you don't give him the leftovers. You plan your finances with the giving at the beginning. That attitude, give it to the Lord and let him use it for his purposes. Um, you know, and, and be generous and seek, seek the Lord. I've talked about this back in, in 12 and 15, so I'll leave it with there. Okay, so summary, just to bring this to an end now. Jesus tells his disciples to look and learn, look and learn from the pride and show of the scribes versus the humility and sacrifice of the widow. Jesus saw both, one's condemned, one's praised. Just think we need to take our, go before the Lord and say, search me, Lord. Um, and in fact, Matthew 6 beginning of Matthew 6, shows these two attitudes. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So you've had it already. So when you give to the needy, you're going to give to the needy when you do it, do not announce it with trumpets. Now, I'll just stop there. That's an interesting reference because the feeling there is not just about the trumpets like a big, da-da, da-da, this is happening. It's a referral across to the trumpet-shaped containers over the, over the boxes. Nice connection, isn't it? Anyway, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets in order to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving may be done in secret. It's so secret, he's almost saying as a sort of ridiculous thing. Even you don't really know. That's secret, but God knows. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Your father who saw the widow, who heard the noise of the tiny coins, who sees every gift that you have ever given, he will reward you. He will bless what you've given. Because when you give and you do it sacrificially, you're moving into obedience. You're sharing that. And obedience 
just draws the heart of God and the hand of God to give and to bless. Okay, that's the teaching for today. I'm just going to pray over that. Father, I just ask you to bless this word. What was from me? Would you just let it fall aside, go to the, into the bin? What's of you, Lord? Would you just seal in hearts, open minds, just use in any way you want, Father God. I pray for those watching that you would bless their studies of the word, that they would get the truth from you, Lord, and all of us would be equipped by you to walk in truth and share that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the, um, the details are going to follow about how you can get in touch. Uh, I really encourage you to do that if you want to sort of, you know, dialogue about a, a, any of this stuff, challenge me or whatever. Um, you know, that'd be really good. But I just pray that God would bless you this week, take care of you and those that you love. And uh, next week, I'm doing another preach on Luke, and that'll be the last one I'll do on the series and then the other leaders are going to take over the, the two following that so ah, that'll be an interesting one god bless